You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Training camp rolls ahead and some things to get to from there, but we're still wrapping up a lot of the things that have gone on the last week, things that have been said, comments made, ideas proposed, and Tom Silverstein tackled one of them in a piece for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and he thought, okay, Rogers put together a list of 12 veterans that he felt were not treated fairly on the way out the door that could have been resigned. And Rodgers felt like, hey, if you'd have talked to me about it, I would have tried to, to talk you out of letting these guys go. Before we get to what, what Tom put together, there is value in having these kinds of veterans and rewarding veterans on your team. The, the cultural value, the impact of someone like Mercedes Lewis is incalculable. Their ability to help others and set a standard. Julius Peppers set a standard. He was not a rah-rah guy. He was not an outspoken leader, but he's an all-time great, a Hall of Famer. And when he spoke, people listened. And so there is important cultural locker room value to having those guys out there. And those guys tend to be reliable when it comes to the schematics. They are going to play disciplined. They're going to know their role. They're going to know their responsibilities. Now, do they always have the athletic ability to make the plays that are available to them? No. And that's part of the problem. And then there's also these schematic fits. I mean, with at least two of the names that Rogers mentioned, Casey Hayward and Micah Hyde, they were not being put in the best position to succeed by the defensive coordinator. I have long said, I do not blame Ted Thompson for moving on from those guys. I blame Dom Capers and have always blamed Dom Capers. Micah Hyde was allowed to walk because Haha Clinton Dix was seen as the guy at safety. Micah Hyde just objectively turned out to be a better player. Casey Hayward was allowed to go so that they could move forward with Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins, who admittedly Randall looked really good as a rookie. They loved Rollins before he got hurt. And, and that was a, a miscalculation of the guys currently on the roster. But Casey Hayward, outside of his rookie season, he had injury issues. He did not look like the playmaker. Bob McGinn wrote about this a couple of years ago. Did not look like the playmaker that he became with the Chargers. So what did Spoon do in his piece? He looked at just a simple metric, the pro football reference metric, approximate value. And that is really a box score metric. How impactful were they play to play and how did their play impact games? 
So he looked at, okay, what were they when they were with Green Bay? And what were they when they left? In other words, when they left, were they better or about the same than they were in Green Bay? And if they were the same, is that sameness coming from a good place, right? Because if they're the same, if they were a four and now they're a four, that sameness does not, is not an indictment on Green Bay. If anything, it is a validation. What Spoon found is that at least according to AV, the Casey Hayward deal, that, that, that turned out to be the wrong decision. Again, part of that is Dom Capers. Micah Hyde, that turned out to be the wrong decision. He concluded that in every other case, John Kuhn, Brett Good, James Jones, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, those guys were not as productive when they left as they were in Green Bay. Now, the Rodgers counter is going to be for someone like Randall Cobb or James Jones or Jordy Nelson, there is a built-in value of having those guys out there, of being able to elevate above some of the physical limitations precisely because they have a built-in rapport with the quarterback. And that's real. That's true. And James Jones proved it when he came back in 2015, walked in off the street with his hoodie and essentially became the Packers' number one receiver again. That is remarkable, and that is a testament not only to James Jones, but to Aaron Rodgers and, and their chemistry. And so I do think that kind of stuff matters. But consistently, the Packers made the right decisions on the field about those players. Okay. The, the criticism from someone like Aaron Rodgers and one that I saw from the fans was, Okay, but this is about how they're treated on the way out. And I actually thought Brian Gutekinds had a great answer for this the other day at his press conference. He said, look, anyone who thinks they should get more money and are offered less is going to feel slighted. And that's just the nature of it. If you say, hey, I think I'm worth 80 grand a year to your boss, and they say, well, we think you're worth 60 grand a year, you're going to feel underappreciated, aren't you? But guess what? If you leave your job and the best job you can get is a $60,000 a year job, then what was your value really? And so this is the point that the Packers are making. Okay, maybe, maybe some of these guys went out and got bigger deals. James Jones signed a bigger deal than the Packers were willing to give him. And guess what? He was gone in a year. Didn't, didn't play that contract. So they set the value closer to where uh, it ought to be. And they were consistently right about these guys. Now, there are the, the big misses. And then the Charles Woodson thing is interesting. And I had forgotten this part of it. When the Packers moved on from Charles Woodson, he was set to make $10 million a year. He left and ultimately signed in Oakland, back home, for about $2 million. Well, that was probably not available to the Packers. Now, maybe it was, but it's really hard to go from being a superstar player, from being a leader on your team, and being one of the higher paid guys, you get moved on because of that price tag, and then the team comes back and says, "Oh yeah, by the way, we'll pay, you know, we'll pay you 
two and a half. We'll pay you three. We'll pay you four. That, that is a, a serious ego problem. And then in the case of Julius Peppers, he had a productive season in Carolina as a part-time player. He'd been a starter in Green Bay. Now, not a not, not an 80% of snaps kind of guy. But they paid him well, and he would have been a part-time player, as Tom Silverstein points out. The mistake there was paying Nick Perry and banking on him to be healthy, which he, of course, wasn't. So these things compound. But... Coming back to Green Bay, being a part-time player, you know, Aaron Rodgers hinted that that Peppers really wanted to stay in Green Bay, really wanted to finish his career there. And that that may be true, but at what price? At what price? And how much are you willing to pay just to have the veteran part of it? If you're going, well, we're already paying for Nick Perry, so we can't, we can't do this too. I, I think in theory, that's good process. It's just that they were wrong about that evaluation. And so that complicates this. And I'm not saying these are easy answers. I'm not saying I have the answers. I think these are very difficult team building questions that teams have to face when they have good players. This is a problem of privilege. Only the good teams have these problems. This is this is champagne problems. Oh, the Packers have had too many good players. They have not been able to re-sign them all. I mean, there are teams that over the last 10 years can't name 12 good free agents that have left their organization. Guys that were good for them. Because they're just like they didn't have any, they didn't have that many good players. And I may be exaggerating that a little bit, but my point is, think about where this roster is. Think about where it's been. Think about the the different versions that we've seen of it, the 2010, 2011, that group. And then they made some upgrades and some adjustments, and then you had the 2014 group. And then, okay, they went through the lull. Then now it's been remade. You've got the 2019, 2020, 2021 group. Think of how many times this roster has churned and they've been able to bring in new good players. Most organizations are not doing that. And so if you're if you're Aaron Rodgers and you're going, man, one more year of Jordy Nelson would have really been great and he was willing to play for nothing and he wanted to be here and then would have retired. I can understand how you're going, it sucks that that they didn't do that and and not even engaging with him on it, which is reportedly what happened, probably made him feel pretty bad. I can understand that. Now, what you'd like to have is an organization that communicates with their all-time greats. Jordy Nelson is an all-time great Packer receiver. He's in that, that Donald Driver category of guys who are not going to make the Hall of Fame, but are going to go down as one of the best players at their position in team history. You want those guys to feel the love. You want them to feel welcome. Clay Matthews. Those are the guys that you want to that you want to feel okay. The organization did everything they could, and it's time to move on. That is Brian Gutekind's job. It is Mike McCarthy's job, and now it is Matt Lafleur's job, and it is Mark Murphy's job. And they have not been doing that job good enough. They haven't. Have they gotten a lot of the personnel decisions right? Did Ten Thompson get a lot of the personnel decisions right? Yes. That doesn't mean they're blameless. 
but it doesn't mean that the players are always right too. So we have to be able to be be willing to at least look at this from from multiple sides. And if the Packers had just said, yeah, every every time there's a veteran, Aaron Rodgers wants you to re-sign him, and we're just going to do it. Mm, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't I don't think that's the prudent way to approach it. We're going to talk more about what that could look like and what has been going on behind the scenes. Thanks to a little bit of insight from Albert Breer, Brian Gutekinds, Malafleur, and their conversations right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sports betting needs baseball, NBA free agency, the Olympics, fights, golf. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as team preps for their playoff run. The Brewers prepping for their playoff run. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to get a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit when you use the promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So Albert Breer from the MMQB and Sports Illustrated was in Green Bay. And what he what he found when he went to talk to them was a number of things. And and we're gonna hit the different things here. Here is the quote that stood out to me from Brian Gutekinst. It starts with, I think it's like anything, a classic Mike McCarthyism. I know for Matt and I and Mark Murphy and Russ Ball as well, it's constant communication. And we've done that really well here over the last few months. But I think that now that Aaron's back in the building, we need to make sure we continue to do that with him. So what is he saying there? Well, he's saying... Look, the 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 power structure here, the guys who make decisions, the coach, the GM, the president, um, and and the contract man, Russ Ball, we've all been talking, we're all on the same page, we're all trying to get everything done that we need to get done. We need to now do a better job of getting Rogers on board with our decisions. And this is just the conversation we were having, right? We're gonna make decisions and we need to let Aaron Rodgers know what those decisions are, why we're making them, and create some transparency here. That is an important step. And he said, the quarterback position, particularly because he's affected by so many things and particularly on your offense, the ones like Aaron and Tom, their input is valuable. How has that affected things? That's kind of hard for me to say, but I can understand why they want to have input. So what's your definition of input? Are you listened to? If you're listened to and a different decision is made, do you still feel listened to? Or is it just doing what you want? I think there's a difference there. But I do think those guys that have put so much into an organization, played at a high level, I think it's important that they have a little bit of a voice. Okay, this is vital. And this is the season of honesty. I, I am a little shocked I don't know if you can be a little shocked. I think by definition, you have to just be shocked. I am shocked. Brian Gutekind said this. Shocked. Because it's real. It's true. There is a difference between input and having your voice heard. There is a difference between having actual decision-making input and having your voice heard. Just because you have your voice heard does not mean, and and 
there is more than just a semantic difference. The point that, that Brian Gutekunst is trying to make here, and the point that I have been making for months on this show, is that just listening is not going to be enough. Just hearing the words from Aaron Rodgers or anyone is not going to be enough. So at what level do you have to comply for them to be happy? And that's going to vary person to person. But this is a question that I've been asking all along. Okay, you tell Aaron Rodgers ahead of time about Jordy Nelson. You let him make the case and you still do the thing. You let him know ahead of time about Jordan Love. Hey, we're thinking about this. I've said a hundred times that there was a way to give him a heads up that that was happening, to be transparent about it. And you would listen to his feedback and then you'd go still make that decision. Over time, how different is that really from just not involving them at all? Is it better or worse to take that input and not act on it if you think the best thing to do is something else? Now, presumably over time, you know, if if over five, 10 years of Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback, let's say they started doing this after he won the Super Bowl in 2011. There are probably a number of decisions that the Packers made that Rodgers would have supported and he would have felt like, cool, they did that in part because I was I was in on that discussion. Even if that's not true, he would have felt that way. But then does the acrimony intensify every time that you offer input and they make a different decision? I don't have an answer for that. I can't speak for Aaron Rodgers. Does it have to be 30%? Does it have to be 50%? Does it have to be the majority of the time? At On what level? So this is, this is the balance that you always have to strike. Hey, Aaron, and, and, and that's why my position has always been, hey, Aaron, where do you think this team could use some fixes? Culturally, positionally, what do you, what do you see in the locker room? And are there some, okay, you get that input. Okay, are there some guys out there you think could fit that, that need? Yes, okay. All right, impending free agents coming up. Hey, Aaron, uh, we're, not, we're not sold on this guy. What's the vibe in the locker room? How does he contribute there? Those kinds of conversations, to me, are necessary to be a high-functioning, well-run organization. You have to be talking to your players. You can't just rely on your coaches because your coaches only see so much. It's like asking a teacher about a student. They see what's going on in the classroom, but they don't see everything. They don't see everything. They don't, they don't really have... 100% of the information. And I would say it is it is intensified with a coach because they're not in the locker room. They're not seeing what's going on off the field. They don't know what's going on in the text chains. Getting player input, feeling that difference, it, it just is, is a fundamentally different kind of input. Do I think what, what the Bucs did with Tom Brady and said, hey, go scout some receivers is a is good process. Hell no. Absolutely not. Never. I would never do that. But Aaron Rodgers says, I think the team needs a true slot. Okay. Great idea. Let us go get you one. Let us go find the right guy. Rodgers says, if you can trade for Randall Cobb, that would be, I think that's, he's the guy. 
all right, well, why don't you draft the guy who has a lot of similarities in his skill set to Randall Cobb? Again, doesn't that frame that draft pick a little differently? They traded up for him. I mean, I think that says a lot about where this organization is. And they did it. And I think Amari Rogers is going to be a good player. I think he's a great fit in this offense. Striking that balance is a difficult line to walk. I mean, we we use the Patrick Mahomes example. He wanted to draft Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Oh, uh, why? It's a running back at 32 on a team that does not need a running back. I mean, they proved last year with, with bailing wire and sheet metal, they put together a, a backfield. Yeah, they got Le'Veon Bell, who was bad. And it, they, all, all you need is replacement level players there. Why are you using a first round pick there when you have a problem with the defense, when you have a problem along the offensive line and, and you drafted Clyde Odenzer-Lair in part because your quarterback wanted him? That is horrible team building. That is just bad process. And look at what's happened now. They've had to use draft capital and, and spend huge free agent dollars when Hey, guess what? They could have just used that pick on a player who actually would have been useful instead of a running back. I mean, that that is why giving the decision-making power to your quarterback or any player is just not the prudent way to go about it. But making them feel involved, certainly something that I think is important. One more thing about that article. In that article, Brian Gudikin says the following. He was asked... Why not let Rodgers, well, what we found out is the Packers called Rodgers to let him know they were taking Jordan Love while they were on the clock. That's not the story Rodgers told to Kyle Brandt, but that is the story Brian Gutekunst is telling. Why not let him know earlier is the question. Gutekunst's response, quite frankly, if that was even a possibility, I would have loved to do that. We didn't go into the draft thinking, hey, we're going to target this and do it. If that was the case, we probably would have done that in this case, tell Aaron Rodgers. That wasn't reality. Would that have changed anything? I don't know if Aaron, with the issues he has, with the issues he has, if that's really a part of it. But a player like Aaron, in a situation like that, you would have loved to give him a heads up. It's just that the way that things transpired, that wasn't a possibility. Breer goes on to say, as I heard it, the Packers actually thought Love would go earlier and had set their sights on landing a tackle or a receiver through a trade up from 30. But by the time such a move got in range, the tackles were long gone. Last tackle went off at 18, and four receivers had come off the board between the 17th and 25th picks, at which point Green Bay pivoted to love a selection that almost immediately led to questions about how Rodgers would receive the selection of the year. When they were working on a trade with Miami, they thought they were going to get one of these receivers. They thought they were going to get Rager or Ayuk or Jefferson. That is, I, I believe that from what I've read, from what I've been told, from what I've heard. That is not to say that they made a, a decision on a whim on Jordan Love. The idea that they thought he would have gone higher speaks to their value of love. And I, I was practically screaming at you yesterday to say, do not believe anyone that tells you that they did not want to draft Jordan Love. They wanted to draft Jordan Love. And they wanted to make sure that they were going to get Jordan Love. And they had heard that some other teams, the Colts, among them, 
we're going to try and trade up to get love. And so they were like, well, we've already got this deal in place. The receivers are gone. Let's just pull the trigger. It's just a fourth round pick to get this guy we think is really, really good. It's it's not only possible, but likely they had a higher grade on love than some of the receivers that they wanted. They just didn't think they would be in a position to draft Jordan Love. And I don't want to go over and rehash all of the, oh, but he was seen as a borderline first round pick that I've just, I don't know how many times I need to debunk on this show. I went back and looked at Todd McShay's last mock draft, sixth overall. Mel Kuyper had him 19th. He There was plenty of top 20 buzz, Raiders, maybe the Dolphins would take him if they didn't take Tua. For a while before the DeForest Buckner trade, it was the Colts. There was plenty of Jordan Love buzz in the first round. Okay, not the point. I think we can take Brian Gutekunst at his word that they wanted a tackle or a receiver because they did. They didn't think all of those guys, when they were putting together this trade, I don't think they thought all of those guys would be gone. And they could not get to 25 because that was Minnesota's pick and Minnesota was not going to give them 25. And higher than that, I think they probably felt like that was just too much to give up to get there. And they didn't. They just didn't think that many guys would go, especially after the Vikings take Justin Jefferson. They think, well, they're not going to double up at 25. They're going to take a tackle. They didn't do that. So look, I mean, that that part of it, 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 it makes it feel like, okay, well, Jordan Love was plan B. In a way, Jordan Love was plan A insofar as he was the highest graded player and probably, my guess, higher on their board than Ayuk. They loved Justin Jefferson. Loved, loved, loved. Of course, they loved Justin Jefferson. They were thrilled to get Jordan Love. They wanted a receiver. They wanted a tackle. Those guys were gone. They were thrilled to get Jordan Love. Both of those things can be true. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain store to, to stock all of the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer with only the brands and the prices that they are offering? Save time and money and use Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? RockAuto.com has reliably low prices for every customer. Go explore their easy to use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to RockAuto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Betting on the Packers doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and the Lee Sterling lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get podcasts. Just a quick thing as we finish up here, um, the Packers have, according to Matt LaFleur, gone over the 85% vaccination rate, which um, by NFL protocols allows them to relax certain uh, protocols in the building and I think can be an advantage for the Packers moving forward. There are teams that are barely over 50%. The Minnesota Vikings right now are going through um, a, a terrible time with their situation there because Kirk Cousins is in protocol. Their whole quarterback room is in protocols. This That's going to affect training camp. There's just... No way around it. When, you're, when your top guys are not getting snaps, 
that is a problem. And Matt LaFleur, at the beginning of camp, expressed his frustration that the team was not doing a better job, that they were not even close to 85%. And now that they're at nearly 90%, hopefully they're trending in the right direction. Now, it does matter who those 11 guys are, the 11 out of the 89 who are not. Um, and some of them are just never going to, are just never going to want to get on board. Uh, I, I hope they change their minds. And if you're one of those people, I hope you change your mind. Um, we're, we're all in this together and, and I hope people are, are doing their part to keep everyone safe, especially with the new variants that are out there, um, vaccinated people, the breakthrough cases. Um, no, it is not a hundred percent effectiveness at preventing you from getting COVID, but it is a huge help in preventing that. And it is almost guaranteed that it will prevent you from having a serious issue with it, which is what we are looking for here. We're going to be back tomorrow. Lily Zhao, Zhao you doing, is back in the building. And we've got some exciting stuff on the docket here coming up, some interviews that I'm really excited about that we will get to hopefully later in the week or potentially next week. Uh, we'll figure that out. Family night is this week. So we're going to get to see these guys under the bright lights. So a lot of fun still to be had. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. 